Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our weekly message. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. To connect with our church family and to watch our live streams, please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. How many feel good in your soul? God, I said, how many people feel good in your soul? All right. Y'all, um, y'all, if y'all, if y'all help me, I can preach in 30 minutes. If you don't help me, it'll probably take me two hours. So Steve is praying that somebody's going to help me this morning. And uh, so last week we talked on the subject of forgiveness. I preached from, really, I think I titled it The Power of Forgiveness. So I want to do some recapping, and then I want to get into Matthew chapter 12. So if you'll grab Matthew chapter 12, and uh, I'll try to teach this more than preach. So let's, uh, let's pray right quick. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to get in the Word together. And uh, Lord, I'm asking tonight, this morning, that you would supply that which makes preaching effective, and that is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears and you would open our eyes to see. Father, let the word of the Lord penetrate deep into our heart. Let it bring everlasting change in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So last week, we taught on the subject of the power of forgiveness. If you were not here, I preached uh, a great uh, length of time, and I said this um, I think Damon Thompson says this. He says that the only place that repetition is not celebrated is inside the church. We celebrate it in sports. My boys play baseball. And so we hit a lot of baseballs off a tee. And especially the younger ones like Asher, he's like, why don't you just pitch to me? Why do you have to hit off the tee? So uh, I told him I'd, if, if Albert Pujols is a future Hall of Famer, if he can hit 300 balls off the tee, you can hit them off the tee also. It is there to build muscle memory. So I know this, that if when you guys are here and like on a Sunday morning gathering and I preach for uh, for an hour or hour and 15 minutes, it's impossible for you to retain all that information. And so I want to go back this morning and really look and look at some of the things that I said last week, and then we'll get into Matthew chapter 12. And so, so let's just say this, that unforgiveness... I made this statement last week. Unforgiveness is the root cause of practically every relationship problem. Would we not agree with that? That unforgiveness is the root cause of practically every relationship problem. All right? And so we talked about the four levels of bruising. We talked about the four levels of wounding that requires uh, uh, forgiveness. I got this from John Sanford, who is a great, great teacher of the gospel. He started the Elijah houses. So we talked about four areas, and we talked about number one being a bruise. A bruise is a surface level wounding that can be healed easily if treated promptly. If treated promptly, bruises are, or abrasions require forgiveness moment by moment. This is literally where J Peter goes to Jesus and he says, how many times do I got to forgive my brother? He says, seven times, 70. How many knows that's a lot of times that you have to forgive someone? This is a constant, This is th these are unintentional things that happen. You remember when we quoted uh, Luke 17 verse 1 out of the Passion Translation when he says betrayals, betrayals are inevitable? We're going to get a t-shirt made by that. Uh, and so, uh, but how many knows that um, 
that the bruises are 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 unintentional things that happen throughout the day. In other words, you go to the restaurant, you order the hamburger, and they forgot to put the lettuce on it. That, how many knows that they didn't intentionally do that? Or or in your marriage, something happens unintentionally. They, they, these are just unintentional things, but they can be healed very quickly if we're quick to move into forgiveness. How many knows that is the only standard that Jesus set is that we move in forgiveness? If he set the standard on the cross when he looked at the people who betrayed him, the ones he gave his life for, the ones that he was at the Last Supper with, and they all deserted him on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If he released forgiveness in that moment, you and I don't have a leg to stand on. We must choose the path of forgiveness. How many knows this also that we quoted this last week, that forgiveness is not always easy. You remember when Peter asked that and the Lord told him how many times I got to forgive? He says 70 times 70. He said, increase our faith. They did not ask for increased faith when he told them to go heal the sick, raise the dead. Imagine that if I commanded you, you you young three right here on the front row, and I said, I need you to go down to Adel, and as you go, I need you to heal the sick. I need you to open the blinded eyes, deaf ears, and raise the dead. Go, go I need you to go down to Boone and raise the brother that died last week that they're going to have his funeral. So I need you to raise him from the dead. They never asked for faith concerning that. They did ask for faith when they said, I've got to forgive this joker seven times 70 in one day. So how many knows that it takes faith and forgiveness takes the spirit of the Lord to accomplish in our life? Are you with me? All right. So y'all go help me out? All right. So, so, so number one was a bruise. Bruise, these are surface, these are surface level woundings that can be healed easily and treated promptly. If treated promptly. The second area we worked on last week was a cut. This is a more serious wound. The cut has gone below the surface. It's it's now penetrated us. And and these are these are more serious wounds that a lot of times will take uh it can 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 be healed quickly if dealt with promptly and we don't let it fester in our hearts. But a cut is a more serious wound that perhaps was inflicted intentional. In other words, they saw you in the line and they, they knew you like lettuce on your burger, but they intentionally left it off just to make you mad. Are you with me? <laughs> the hurt produces immediately and personal pain and will require special treatments to achieve forgiveness and healing. A cut is a little bit different than a bruise. I gave this example last week that John Bentley, that this was maybe three or four years ago, someone gave him a case uh, knife. In the South, we like to give knives or whatever, and a case knife is just something that you give a, uh, uh, that you give a, a young man or, or, or a boy. But anyhow, John Bentley was a little bit, I didn't know that he had gotten this knife. Catherine's brother gave it to him. So so he got a case sodbuster. We had some people in our house and they were upstairs playing. And, and so about one o'clock in the morning, I feel someone tapping me on the shoulder while I'm asleep and it's and it was John Ben. He said, Do we have any band-aids in the house? And I said, What do you need a band-aid for? He said, Well, I cut myself. And I said, well, let me just look at it. Well, immediately when I look at it, I know that we did not need a Band-Aid. We needed some stitches. Uh, the other cut, I seen me and Steve were doing a project on a Sunday afternoon, and he had just changed a razor blade in a knife and was trying to cut something. And, I mean, white, if he didn't have, if he had a bone in his finger, it would have been laying in the floor. And so, uh, that, how many knows that takes a... Uh, 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 some attention to deal with? So a cut is something that is, goes beyond its unintentional but but a, a cut is more, it is intentional, okay? So 
The next thing is, is an open womb. An open womb is a major hurt that is lodged in the heart that cannot be treated just by our own understanding or desire to change our feelings. The pain continues despite our conscious wanting to forgive. In other words, you've done been to the Father saying, God, I'm, I'm choosing the path of forgiveness towards uh, Dusty or Trent, whoever the problem is, I'm choosing this path. But after constant going to the Lord and saying, God, I'm choosing forgiveness, but we cannot seem to get past this area of the heart, there becomes an open womb. And what we want to get at is this. Listen, there's a statement that I read the other day. It's very powerful. I shared this with, with, with Matt. And listen to this. Any structure that is hitting within our, within our system, any structure that is hidden within your system, whether it's down in your, hidden down in your heart that is rooted in the flesh will always bring unrest. Any structure that is hidden in the heart that is rooted in the flesh will always cause unrest. Any structure that is that is rooted in the heart that is found is sources the Spirit of God will always lead us into rest because He is always at rest. So all of this rest and uneasiness, all of this anxiety and all of these things in our lives, they're operating at a subsurface level with roots down in there. Just as a tree, a tree, there's a whole lot more to a tree than what you see above the ground it's with a root system that's below the ground. And so that's where I want to really get at. I'm just going over a recap of this. So, so that an open wound, it's, it's a major hurt that is lodged in the heart. And these, these things do get lodged in us. Because how many knows this? I said this last Sunday, a lot of us move in forgiveness we do not move in forgiveness. It's when we see that person or we're, or someone brings up conversation about that person that we immediately go right back into, into where that hurt is found at us. All right. But how many knows this, that the Holy Spirit's always pointing his finger on that to get us? The number four was a crippling injury. Crippling injury usually comes from severe abuse as a child or, or in through relationships. These are things that cripple us, and they're going to need, you're going to need some deep counsel to unseat these things out of your life. So this, we went over this, and we'll get to where we're going to go in Matthew 12. How do I know that unforgiveness is lodged in the heart? Number one, does remembering a particular hurtful event trigger an emotion? Response? If memories stir up another round of pain, it may be that we have merely worked uh, worked hard to forget, but we have not forgiven that person, but forgiveness is not complete. So if you remember a particular event that happens in your life and it stirs up a lot of emotions, that that you, you're moving in forgiveness, not forgiveness. When forgiveness is complete, remembering the pain, remembering the event will no longer cause pain. Did you hear me? When forgiveness is complete, remembering the event will no longer cause pain. Does remembering hurtful events cause stress or physical reactions? In other words, when someone mentions that person's name, do you get your boxing gloves out? Does the painful experience bring to mind anything for which God can be praised? Many blame the Lord for the terrible things that happened to them. When forgiveness is complete, we direct no blame toward God for what has happened. And can the offending party be thought of with a sincere wish that good things will happen in his or her life? Forgiveness holds no grudges. Listen to this. Forgiveness holds no grudges and wishes no penalties or retributions. It wipes clean the slate on which we formerly kept score, and allows us to wish only the best for the person. Forgiveness restores love and promotes reconciliation, which is always the heart of God. 
1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5. Listen to this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrong. How many knows that's a challenging statement from the Word of God? I just saw this at a wedding two weeks ago, and they had this scripture outlined the whole way into the wedding. And as I was walking through it, I said, Father, I pray that they can live up to this. Are you with me now? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. Envy is the secret pain that we feel at our brother's success. Listen, church, we got to understand this, that God is always in the business of exposing what is hidden in the heart. When he pulled up to Samuel's house, he didn't, he didn't go call David and anoint him in a back room. He didn't whisper in Jesse's ear and says, hey, I come to anoint one of your sons, but let me tell you who it is. The Spirit of God's already told me it's David, and I don't want to offend his brothers right here, so I want to take you to the back room right here, and let's get inside the green room where we can do the business that the Lord has. No, God will always promote us right in front of our brothers and sisters to always reveal what is in our heart. He'll take, he'll take the promotion that you're looking for on the job, overlook you, and give it to the person beside you just to see what's in your heart. Come on, y'all. Has anybody ever had that to happen? I always, I always tell this, this. This is a thing that I always remember. When we were young in ministry, I was a youth pastor. I've served about every capacity you can, you can have. And we were, we were youth pastors. And I had, when I was 19 years old, I was fully booked as an itinerant preacher. And I thought, this is no joke, I always cut about this, that I was going to be on TBN by the time I was 21. I never made it to TBN, praise God. But I did make it in a TV studio. I came, the first time I ever came to this side of Georgia, I went to Moultrie, Georgia to preach in a TV studio. And my only thought of TV studio was Daystar and TBN. So I was looking for the crowd and everybody else. There was no one in there but a cameraman. And so <laughs> the cameraman looked at he said, you'll be live in five minutes. I said, where's the crowd? Where's the worship team? You know what I'm saying? Hey, you think you can preach? You go into a room with nobody there but a cameraman, and he says, you live in five minutes. And I'll never forget, I preached on the bomb of Gilead. And so they had call-ins. They had live call-ins. So the live call-ins was they put a telephone, and a guy crawled on the floor underneath the camera. You know what I'm saying? He had the, he had the telephone there to hear the telephone. There was one person called in on the television show. But that was the height of my television ministry in Moultrie, Georgia. I did that when I was 21 years old. It's been 20 years ago. So anyhow, we, my pastor is preaching a message called A Ship Called Destiny. And the elders are at the, at the front of the church. The elders are outside underneath the awning when we come in. And we were going to receive these pins like a military service of how many stripes that you had on, how many stripes that you were. And so, so as we're approaching this building, Catherine and I, I was ready to get my pins I mean, I'd been a full itinerant preacher. I could preach circles around most people that were brought into the building. You see the process I'm thinking here. Um, I mean, I am the golden kid. You know what I'm saying? And so at this time, Pastor Dale's already got his arms around me. He's deemed me as, as, as you know what I'm saying, something, you know what I'm saying? So, man, I'm ready to get my stripes. Well, we had just hired a children's church pastor. And the children's church pastor was a girl, and she was really good. I mean, um, I mean, at the height of her ministry, she was she was running three hundred and I think three hundred and seventy something kids in our town uh, in her just her children's church program. I ain't even counting the teenagers, just her children's church program. So she was doing something. Now let me. I'm just she was no she was no small fry. So we're going to the building, and she's ahead of me. 
And the elders put like three bars of stripes on this girl. And so I got there. I'm thinking, man, someone's going to have to help me tote the hardware into the building. Y'all ain't never. I'm just trying to be real. Y'all don't think like this. You know, none of this happens in the church world. So I'm thinking, man, they better write, two elders going to have to tote my hardware up in this building. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and uh, I mean, I'm going to need an armor bearer to tote my Bible to hold, hold all this hardware. They gave me one single stripe. It was so little. I mean, we had to zoom the camera in on it to see it. What do you think God was doing? God was giving me an open book test of right where I was at. So the whole time I walked in that building, what just happened? Luke 17, 1, he says, what betrayals, passion says, but the King James says that, that offenses are inevitable. They're coming. Let me, offenses are coming. You're going to have the opportunity to become offended if you want to be a part of a church. If you want to be a part of a family or a body, most people never come a part of a body. And a lot of people attend church. Most people have never had a pastor. They have preachers in their life. And you can tell the ones that have preachers in their life versus the ones that have pastors in their life. The ones that have pastors are rooted and planted and they flourish in the Lord. So I go in there, so I've got this one stripe and I'm telling you, man, I, I went from someone toting my hardware to ready to kill somebody. So the whole worship service, my hands ain't up. And my thought process is this. When the pastor's sick, who do they call? I, I leaned over and told Kat. I said, if pastor's sick, who do they call? They sure don't call her. I said, they calling me to preach up in here. And at this point, God, when I, was, when I was 19 fully booked, when I turned 22, God cut the faucet off of me. You got to understand, you could do anything, but if it's not backed by heaven, you're just doing something. There's marriages on the earth that have never been backed by heaven. There's marriages in the Bible that was never backed by heaven. When God talks of David, he always refers to Bathsheba as the wife of Uriah. Because God never blesses nothing born out of covenant. Oh man, I got to quit right here. I got to stay. So, so we go in there and I'm telling Catherine, God cuts the faucet off at 22. My friends don't even call me to preach anymore. But God, God is doing this. Way. He's trying to ground me and establish something in my life just besides my gifting. And so I'm fuming over this. So when I don't let it go during the service, we get home, I'm still angry about that. So Catherine said, what are you going to do with that pen? I said, you throw that pen in the trash. That's like a runner-up trophy, man. Come on, we don't display runner-ups. I mean, you know what I'm saying? If you're not first, you're last. I mean, y'all, listen, man, people's going to be sitting back. Listen, we ain't, we ain't, I throw it in the trash. That led, how many knows that that was not a bruise that I just encountered? It was something, listen, it was intentionally done because the pastor had already communicated to the elders what kind of bars we were getting. But at the end of the day, it was God seeing where I was at. What do you think that one little bit of disgruntledness got lodged in my heart, what it cost me? I'll tell you what it cost me. It cost me two more years of sitting out running around the same mountain. Then it led into a lie that the enemy started bombarding me with that I was second best. At this time, Jason, you'll remember this, that we had another young guy who I graduated high school with, graduated two years in front of me. He goes to this little bitty town, and the church was still small. See, we can always celebrate when people small. I'm on now. You can always celebrate when it's small. Well, it done jumped out of being small. Now he done built a great edifice. 
And every month for the first 30 minutes, we heard how great everything was going over there. How many knows that my heart was not celebrating with how great things were happening in that city? Why was it? Why could not I celebrate my brother's success? Because something had gotten lodged in my heart way back when I got to one strike when I thought I should have been four bars. Are you with me now? So I'm still, I'm still rehearsing this hurt. Listen, the Bible says confess your faults to one another. But a lot of times we don't confess faults, we rehearse faults. I, I got to get into this right here. Let's, let me, let, let's just read Matthew chapter 12. Just strap your seatbelt on because we're going to go quick. So why you got to preach quick? Because I'm hungry. We're going to go eat something, okay? Matthew chapter 12. All right. Let's look at uh, let's look at verse thirty-three. All right. You must determine. Let me just let me just say this right here. A lot of times when we rehearse hurts to one another, a lot of times what we're doing is projecting our own heart on that other on that other person. You remember when David's brothers come down to when David is sent by his father down to the valley of Elah. In 1 Samuel 17, where, where Goliath has got the army of God held up, and David is running down there with concern for his brothers, and Eli looks at him and says, we know your heart. You're wicked. You just want to come down. That wasn't David's heart. That was Eli's heart that he was, protect, he was projecting on David. He was looking through his own hurt because of he was rejected. He was rejected. Sons will always be found in the field tolling when nobody's looking. Orphans will always be found sitting right at the table. Orphans will always be in the house fully grown. Sons will always be teachable even when they're in their 90s. Are you with me? Look at this. You must determine if a tree is good or rotten. Who's going to determine that? You are. You determine if a tree is good or rotten. You can recognize good trees by their delicious fruit. But if you find rotten fruit, you can, you can be certain that the tree is rotten. The fruit defines the tree. But you who are known as the Pharisees are rotten to the core. You've been poisoned by the nature of a venomous snake. How can your words be good and trustworthy if you are rotten within? For what has been stored up in your hearts will be heard in the overflow of your words. Listen, you can always tell where someone's living by listening to the way they talk. If you listen to a person, they will tell you right where they're at. When virtue is stored within, the hearts of a good, the hearts of good and upright people will produce good fruit. But when evil is hidden within, those who are evil will produce evil fruit. You can be sure, you can be sure of this when the day of judgment comes. Look at this statement. Everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. We should all give an altar call right there and say, Father, have mercy upon us. Look at this. You can be sure of this when the day of judgment comes. Everyone will be held accountable for every careless word he has spoken. Your very words will be used as evidence against you, and your words will declare you're either innocent or guilty. Now, when we rehearse the grievance that happened to me, when I rehearse it, what is happening, and when I confess it, I go to Steve and say, listen, man, I, I, I'm dealing with something here. 
In confessing, I'm asking for his counsel and his leadership to help me unlodge this out. When I'm rehearsing, I go to my padre or my posse and I talk about what happened to get them to agree with me that I am the victim instead of the victor. And when I get them to agree with me, instead of it coming out of the heart, it gets buried further into the heart. And it will eventually become lodged. And when it becomes lodged, that is how you will view life from that day further. Which is why when I went to the meetings, when a young brother was succeeding in his church and broke the 300 barrier, I couldn't stand to hear it because I was still wounded from the fact that I got the one bar. Now, God is always faithful to get us right where we're at. Now, listen to me. So I'm in a church service, and it's on a Sunday, it's on a Sunday morning. And, um, and so we're going to church. At this point, I've become hard and calloused. I don't even want to go to church. I'm just going, and, and because Catherine is next to the Holy Spirit, she wasn't going to hear it that we wasn't going to church. We had to go to church. I mean, we were in the ministry for like 15 years before we could take a vacation on Sunday. I mean, we at least had to do Bible study before we went to the beach. But listen, anyhow, she's going to kill me. So anyhow, she's at the beach now, Lord. Convict her in Jesus' name. Convict that woman, Lord. Leave me with these children raised off like. How come it was, they wouldn't, when they're with mama, there ain't nothing to say, but when daddy's got to keep them as babysitting? Um, God help us. Let me get back in, and I ain't even anointed no more. So, so we're in the service. I'm, I'm at the back because how many knows this? You, you, people vote with their feet, so you slowly see them slipping towards the back. Come on now. You move from the front, now you're at the side, now you're at the very back. So I'm at the very back. We got a guest preacher. Well, he gets behind the pulpit, and instead of opening his Bible, he's up there just lingering, humming, trying to sing worship. And I'm sitting there, this is where I'm at in my heart. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm just being a, I'm like, man, just shut up and preach your message where we can get out of here. Y'all ain't never said nothing like that in church. You know what I'm saying? You don't never think nothing like that. I wish he would just quit. I mean, we've heard this 800 times. All right, so I'm just, man, just be quiet and preach your message and let's go. I mean, let's get this show on the road. So he, now he's gone into more hum and more worship. He's lingering even more. He said, I'm telling you, God wants to touch somebody in the room. I'm like, there ain't nobody in this room God want to touch. Let's just do this service. So now he starts prophetically. He's picking it up. And he sounds like he's getting near me. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. I mean, so now listen to this. There's not but three preachers in the building. The one standing behind the pulpit, my pastor, and me in the back. Now he says, don't just... Don't say because you're a minister of the gospel. This is not you. I'm like, man, he's got a word for pastor right here today, gospel. Long story short, finally, I break. The Spirit of God breaks my heart. I go to the front, and this is the very first words as I'm walking out down there. I still remember it like it was a day. God says this, son, you're not second best. You're the first choice. You're the apple of my eye. 
And God starts reminding me of the call and everything that he's ever said about my destiny and everything. But listen to this. What I found is some people have shorter paths than others. Just because you got the long path doesn't mean that you're not going to arrive at your destination. But all of our calls is different. If you arrive there quickly, it means that there's a small call. But if it takes you time to arrive at a place that's the size of what God has for you. I always go back to this with Rachel. She said, why am I struggling in this pregnancy? He says this. He said, because, because there's, there's nations shut up in your womb. You can't have the nations be birthed in a year. It takes a process. All of us is in process. And in every step of the way. So, so what happens is now... I'm hearing about my brother's success. I'm, 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 I'm ticked off about it because of something that's happening in my life. When we rehearse our grievance, they become more and more ingrained in us and we become per- and can become permanently lodged in our heart. Look at this verse of Scripture out of, out of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Man, I got a long ways to go, but I'm going to get there. Right here, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Let's look at verse 30. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Christ Jesus until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, look at this, revenge, profanity. He's, He's speaking to the church. Somebody sent me a shirt one time. Told me, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously, look at this, has God graciously forgiven you? Yes, he has. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Now, look at this in Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. <clears throat> How many, everybody, everybody looks at the success of Bethel and Pastor Bill Johnson and all that he does. If you ever, I've heard him on several interviews say this. He talks about the success that they're living in. He accredits a lot of it to what his father did in the life of what he did. He talks about his father who had endured multiple church splits out there and he said his father would always even after they jabbed him in the back of whatever he'd be at the hospital with them he would help their families all of the all of all of these things that were going on there was a there was a thing of this was several years ago there was five Amish kids that was that was uh that was brutally murdered and um five Amish girls brutally murdered and then the uh guy killed himself this has been not too long I should I should have uh I was going to say this. It's just coming up to me. What, anyhow, the Amish family took, and at the, when they went to the, to the killer that killed their children, they went to the, to the killer's uh, funeral. And not only that, they started a fund, and they helped to pay to bury the man that killed their children. God is always moving us towards forgiveness, friend. That's an extreme case. But look at the, look at the deal, how difficult that could, must have been to even face that a tragedy in their life and then how they immediately move towards forgiveness. Now look at this in Hebrews chapter 12, right here. In verse 15, it says, it says um, in verse 14, in every relationship, be swift to choose peace over competition. 
and run swiftly towards holiness, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Watch over each other. Watch over each other to make sure that no one misses the revelation of God's grace and make sure no one lives with a root of bitterness sprouting within them, which will only cause trouble and poison in the hearts of many. Now listen, I got to get this right here to you. A root is a hidden practice, is a, is a hidden practice way of drinking nurture and unnurture from God, others, ourselves, and nature. Listen to this. A root is a hidden practical way of thinking. A practical way of, it is a practical way of thinking. I'm going to get that in a minute. But it is a hidden practice way of drinking. Nurture and unnurture from God and others, ourselves, and nature. A tree is much more than what we see above the ground. It sends roots deep into the soil and its its environment to drink. If the soil is good, the root system is healthy and strong and the tree flourishes. If the soil is bad, the root system will be weakened, causing the tree to languish or fall. And without a good root system, a tree can easily be be destroyed or disease or the storms of life can take it out. So a root is a habitual manner of receiving. It is a system for getting, not giving. How many knows in Luke 15, in John 15, Jesus said that we are the vine, he is the branch. So I am connected to the Lord, and my, my job as a believer is to simply receive the strength and everything that he's provided for on the cross. But let me say this. There are things in our lives because of things that we have been through, if we don't begin to deal with them, will affect the way that we see We'll see each other and the way we see God. Larry says this best. Offense is like this. The thing which you loved, now you despise. How is it that people could eat together at the same table, laugh, cut up, and three years later have nothing to do with each other? And we call that that we are born again, anointed by God. I beg to differ. Who are we fooling? People that we went and worshiped God together, worshiped, prayed with at the altar, no longer have relationships, but we say that that's good with the Lord. I heard one say, standing behind this pulpit, well, I can forgive them without them even knowing it. Can you? It's quiet up in the house of the Lord. I can preach, you know, just, you know, let's just get tongues in the Eli Banda, you know. Eddie, E-D-D-I-E, and we can all just shout. But I'm in, I'm in a process of trying to grow my own life. If I want to grow my children, I won't give them ice cream all the time. There's times that I have to tell them no to bring growth into their life. If I go beat every devil for Grant, he'll be unpracticed and unable to defend for his own self. Are you with me now? i got to remind him of the weaponry that God give him. All right? Listen to this, the roots is how we connect to God and to each other. Listen to this scripture. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 16 that we are a body and we are connected through through joints and ligaments whereby each one is receiving and supplying to one another. So imagine this, in a body like this, in a group this size, you can really get it down to 25, but in a group this size that we are supposedly to be a body, imagine if there's a damaged root system within me, what I am giving you and what I'm receiving from you. So Paul said we're a body connected just like these trees that are, that are out here on the right side of the building. They're connected through a root system. 
So the roots are either receiving healthy nurture or unhealthy nurture. They're either receiving life or they're receiving poison. How do you determine that? How many knows in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, nothing was wrong with the word. Nothing was wrong with the word. Everything had to do with the condition of the soil. Our heart is the soil, and everything has to do with the condition of our heart when we're receiving. I, how do I drink? How do I drink? How can I drink something harmful from God? Well, God is a giver. I mean, how can I drink something harmful for God? Listen to this. This is how. By falsely projecting onto him the unwholesome images and negative expectations we have developed through our experiences with our natural fathers and other authority figures. Just because, listen, I've seen this over and over in ministry. I will tell you the worst case of unforgiveness I've ever seen. And Matt can remember this. This would have been, I'm trying to remember this. This would have been when John Mann maybe was, Nine, eight or nine years old. This was, so this is in the last five years. May have been Grant. I can't remember. I'm in Statesboro, Georgia, anyhow, and I'm in a hotel room with my family. I receive a call at 11:30 at night, and I'm thinking, hmm, this is not good. First of all, when I seen this man's name appear on my phone, I was like, man, this is not good. This was a this was a church member, but you know, he's I, I guess he was. He was on the road books. Let's just say it like that. But he occasionally showed up. So this man goes into this conversation about because of something that happened on the job site. And this is what he tells me at 1139. He said, I want to tell you this, preacher. He said, it burns in my belly every day to kill them with my bare hands. So man, I'm up. I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm going to have to call these people and wake them out of bed and say, this man's fishing to come take their life. I said, man, that ain't the heart of God. He said, it, it, and so, man, he goes up. So, so now I get a conversation like that, and I'm supposed to just get into bed and go back to sleep. So, man, I'm pacing the hotel floor, praying in tongues. I'm praying over these people. You know what I'm saying? But what happened from that moment, from that moment of that conversation, I'm telling you, Matt can be, bear witness to what I'm telling you. That man's life has been violently downhill. He's had tremendous health issues to happen. He lost the job that he loved. And his life has been violently downhill. And it has nothing to do with the father. It has everything to do with the lie that he's been into. Come on, y'all. It has everything to do with the lie and what he's harboring in his heart. The scriptures don't lie, friend. You can, you can go, I've, I've, I've had people as 20-something as years of pastor, now I'm telling you, I've had people say all kinds of stuff. I've had people to come in my office and say, God told me to marry this person, and they totally against going the direction. They told, they're, not a un, they're not a believer. They, they walk in two different paths. How is that ever going to work? And then five years later, they're divorced, and, and they're in your office again wondering what's going on. You didn't heed the counsel. You can't violate the book. So the book says, the Bible says in Matthew 18, if you choose not to forgive, your heavenly Father will not forgive you and he will send the tormentors. People are tormented in their minds because of things hidden in their heart. And all we got to do is take it to the cross and say, God, kill this in me. And, and it will break the power of that. We were called one night, 
I'm, I'm almost done. I'm going to be closing. We were called to go to the hospital. I, I, got a, I received a call. said, Pastor, would you come down here to the hospital? We got a, we got a, a lady that's demon-possessed. I, I was like, because I just, I'm not, I've never been a demon hunter, uh, and I'm just saying, this person's probably not demon-possessed. I mean, y'all just think she did. And they said, we, we're telling you, we believe she's demon-possessed. I take a friend down there with me. We pull up in front of the hospital. This woman, this woman is not a patient. It is a nurse. And we have been praying at this time, man, we've been praying for weeks. You know, we've been praying over the city. This, this lady's manifesting demons. So we get there, open the door, put my foot on the ground. Lady's head turns like an owl. I said, but let me tell you, that woman is demon-possessed. This is fixing to be on. So we get there. She's projectile spitting 20, 30 feet. The guard is coming down the, 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 the sidewalk. And I, I'm trying to, I'm just doing the best I can here, okay? This lady's already manifesting. The closer we get, the more she's manifesting. The guard, I don't know what he believes. I tell the guard, the policeman, before we ever approached the woman, I said, sir, this woman's demon-possessed, and we're about to cast this demon out. I'll tell you, this is exactly what he said. I plead the blood of Jesus right now, and he went inside the hospital. We cast two, there was two spirits left out of her, and we could not get her free. We were, we were deadlocked. I mean, it didn't matter what I quoted, the King James, um, we could not get her free. And so I'm, 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 I'm asking the Holy Spirit while we're praying, God, why can't I get her free? I, can't, I cannot help her. And so I'm, I'm thinking, is there's, you know, I'm, I'm just all of this going in. And immediately I heard the Holy Spirit. He said, tell her if she can't forgive, I can't forgive. And I knew then, I said, this, lady, this lady's locked. Whatever, whatever the oppression was, I just know this. I, I just know by the Spirit two things come out of the woman, but she's not free. So I asked her, I said, ma'am, I said, is there anybody that you, you haven't forgiven? She said, no. I said, ma'am, I'm telling you, I hear the Holy Spirit saying that you have unforgiveness in your life. Who is? And then she started cursing. I mean, it was like unbelievable cursing. Profanity coming out of her mouth. She would never forgive. It was a husband who, who what the problem is. And so finally I said, ma'am, listen here. Just because you choose to forgive doesn't mean that you trust. It doesn't mean that you're friends but you release them of the punishment that you think that they deserve. Are you with me? So I told you this. Two, two and a half weeks ago, I have a dream. And in the dream, I see this prison camp. And I'm inside, I'm, I'm, I see a bunch of people inside this prison camp. So I jump out and go inside this prison camp and I tear this fence down. I tear this fence down and I tell the people to come through the fence. I knew exactly what, that. it had nothing to do with offense. It had everything to do with offense. God said, if you'll remove this offense, we can get out of the prison camp. So immediately I tell her, I said, I said, listen here. I said, say it by faith. By faith, out of your mouth, I choose to forgive. When she said, I choose, she said, in the name of Jesus, I choose to forgive. When she said that, Boom, heaven, I mean, came right there instantly. She immediately broke. She was totally delivered. I, I'm telling you, if there's one person that I've ever prayed for, I wish I'd have had the before and after photos. She looked like she was 10 years younger after, we, after she stood up from off that bench. God totally set her free. But here's the thing. It had legal, what, it had legal access. You cannot evict someone out of a house when they got the deed. I don't care how much authority the police can go to your house and tell you, Jesse, get out of the house. If he don't have a warrant for your arrest and you got the deed, ain't nothing he can do about it. 
He could stand there and holler, scream, show you his badge, read you his credentials, how many times he'd been through the police academy. None of it matters. He's got the legal right to be there. It is the same way to the believer that has got uh, unforgiveness in the heart. That tormentor has legal access. You have to come out of agreement with the unforgiveness and move in forgiveness, and then he has no legal right to be there. All right, you ready? I'm almost done right here. I, I'm threatening closing, but I've got I to tell you this. So what happens is, is, is when, we, when, we, when we drink from these roots that are hidden in us, because I was wounded when I was a child, whatever happens, the vision of the Father gets distorted. And religion distorts the vision of the Father, especially us coming up in the Pentecostal church. Man, we, was sold, we had some good things, but we were sold a bunch of images of the Father that were never accurate. And so how do you create that accurate vision and fix that root in your life is you continually drink and remind yourself of the God, the Father that is in Scripture and in the life of Jesus that he came to demonstrate. Remember when he told Philip, he said, how long, how long is it going to be before we see the Father? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I did not see Jesus beating people up when he called them in sin. In John 8, you cannot get no more called in sin than the woman that was caught with adultery. Jesus moved in forgiveness. In Luke 15, when the young son went and squandered his wealth and his angry older brother couldn't stand at the sight of grace that was just shown, he is, Jesus was modeling the heart of the Father towards the church and towards you and I. And he welcomes us into the Father's house. And so the more that I sit and see him as, as Trenton said, until we see him as Father, his image is never going to change in our life. That's why Romans 8 says, you and I have been adopted into the family of God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We see God as Father, not some angry judge. God is a judge. He gave us a whole book of the judges. But notice how he didn't judge. He didn't put the judgment on Israel. He put the judgment on the enemies. So we still got people down here in the south that is teaching stuff from the pulpit. God's giving us cancer. He's causing car wrecks, tornadoes, and everything else to come get us into the family of God. God never uses anything like that, friend. He uses his goodness to lead us into repentance. When I told you the hardness of my heart had got to the place because of something that was lodged in me, because my leadership put a single stripe on me, God didn't, God didn't take his belt off and beat me and Catherine down until I got it right. What he did was send a prophet by the house to remind me of his goodness and his call on my life. And how many knows when he displayed that goodness towards me, all of that other melted right away. It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Listen to this verse in Psalms 18, 26. With the pure, you show yourself pure, and with the crooked, you show yourself astute. How can two different people be drinking from the same well of the Father and have two different opinions of Him? To the pure in heart, He shows Himself pure. To the crooked, they always seem astute. It's a view of the Father. Man, I go on. How we drink from ourselves. This is how we drink poison from ourselves. By drinking from the unhealed wounds and unrepented judgments and negative expectations that we have stored in our hearts. When you brood over the things that have happened from the past, I'm telling you this because I'm the world's worst. I found this by studying the Enneagram as an aid of a challenger. One of the things that is hard for us to do is trust. I'm probably not the only one in the room. My daddy, you know, you get me one time, shame on me. You get me twice. I mean, shame on you, get me twice. 
I was told to turn the other cheek. When it's time to throw down, y'all, I'm going to turn the other cheek. <laughs> but that's not, the, how many, but that's your old nature. That's not the new nature in Christ Jesus. So we have to make a choice. Am I going to live out of the old nature? Am I going to live from the new Christ, the new nature in Christ? And the new nature is to choose forgiveness in every path. It's quiet up in here. We've probably got a lot of people need forgiven. <laughs> so every time I'm rehearsing this, I always remember this quote. This lets you know where you're at. I always remember this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. It says this, when, when, when people come together, when people come together like at your house and all this, great minds will discuss great ideas. Small minds will discuss people. God, that's good. Eleanor Roosevelt, great minds, when they come together, will discuss great ideas. Small minds will discuss people. I've lived my whole life being small-minded. Listen to this. How do we drink? How do I drink from strength and nurture from myself? By drawing from the treasure blessing I received. I remind myself of how good God's been. Friend, I don't even have to go back 10, I don't have to go back 10 years. God's been amazing at, at, at the journey of my life. Just like the pulpit looking back there, God never forgot what he told me in 2007. Took me 14 years to get it, but I got it. And my dad's handprint's on the bottom for a seal from heaven. You with me? I just remind myself of the blessings. And I celebrate my identity and belonging as a beloved son. Father, I thank you that no matter what I face, you will never reject me as your son. Y'all, that's good. I will never be rejected as his son. And so here's the thing. I think that, that where we're at is, is, is trying to find in this. Now, let me say this. I think anytime we look into ourselves that we don't have hope, we've, we've left the gospel. We've left grace. But there's nothing wrong with good, taking the journey into the depths Notice this. Jesus said this. I'll leave you with this. Adam, you come play right quick. You want to play too? Not really. Said, you can play. Because I want to pray over us at the end. Jesus said there will be no sign given except that of Jonah. Just as Jonah was in the belly of the well, so will the Son of Man be to the belly of the earth. Think about this. The belly in the old covenant is a prophetic picture of the seat of the emotions of man. Jesus went down into the belly and after three days stepped inside of a broken body as a transformed life. If you will take a journey with the Holy Spirit and say, God, take me to the depths of my heart and to the crevices. I want to deal with the wounds of the past where I've been wounded, where I don't trust people. I always look over my shoulder. I told the Lord in the beginning of 2020, I will not live my life anymore looking over my shoulder. That's what I said in my personal time. Didn't I tell you that? I would not live another day looking over my shoulder. I will never have someone in my inner circle that I cannot be brutally honest with. And it's unwilling to walk in covenant. 
Catherine and I celebrate 20 years of marriage this year in a month. How many knows it takes a covenant to do that? When in today's time, when you just get tired, you just go get you another one. It's not always been easy. But I can honestly say that woman still drives me wild today. So Jesus goes down and he stands in the belly of the earth. He comes out a transformed man. And that transformed man is now able to walk through walls where another man's hunkered down named Thomas. I can't believe this has happened. See, if you want to go through walls and unlock the hearts of others, you're going to have to be willing to go down into the belly. Say, where is this coming from? Where does this thought come from? Why do I I feel like Trenton's trying to get me? Is he really trying to get me? Or do I just all of a sudden feel that way all the time? Where's this, where's this, where's the travel? Where's the corridor of this thing happening in my life? You know what happened after I got that root out of my life about I was second best and all of that, stripes. Then it didn't matter if I had one bar or two bars. The guy that I got so tired of hearing about, I called him. When the Lord gave him, gave me and allowed me to plant plant a church, I called him and said, can you come preach for him? And at first, when I'd hear his success, I'd be like, yeah, but he used to borrow my notes. Because he wanted to be Jensen Franklin, and I was Rod Parsley, and I had hair back then. Man, I got pictures of it. Golly. I wore a 46 coat instead of a 50. I had hair, and you guys, Catherine, it was jailed up right at the front. Just like parsley. Had it clicked up. See, that's why I'm anointed. That's his handkerchief. <laughs> but I was able to look at him and say, man, God, you've done a work in his life. I cannot believe that's a kid from Bacon County High School that sat two rows behind me. And I was able to celebrate it from my heart. I'm just telling you, family's not easy to do inside of just our own families, more or less when we create a bigger body. You know what? As a pastor and people, I'm amazed that the most preparation people go through when they get married is picking out a wedding dress and the honeymoon. And they're fixing to make the most important decision besides salvation in their life. They spend no time. Never read one book on marriage. Never go through one counsel session. And they never deal with their own image, their own stuff in their own life and then they bring all that together and put it in one house and you got you a wildfire. Just share my own stuff. And in my house when I was little, when mom and dad got into it, daddy just said, I'll get my stuff and get out. He never did. He'd say it. So what, what, do you, what do you think his son said when I got married? Me and Catherine, I remember this. The first argument we had was over hanging a picture. 
My mom hung pictures high on the wall. She hung them at eye level. That's like you hung the TV at the cabin, you know. We had to go to chiropractic, so I hopped up 20 foot in the air. <laughs> she would get in an argument. I just remember what my dad said. Get my stuff, get out. See, Catherine had been abandoned. So what do you think? She didn't take that. She didn't take that as a threat. She took that as for real. And I had to learn real quick. But it with my mouth. Let me tell you this too. For those of us that are called to carry the gospel, just as my tongue is sharp to preach his word, it can be sharp to tear down too. And make no mistake about it. You heard the word of God preached in this room this morning that God will hold us accountable for every word that we say. And it'll be used as either evidence for us or evidence against us. James says, be careful. That little thing we got called a tongue, how big a fire it can do. So Father, I pray this morning. Lord, there's so many things upon the journey that gets inside of us, Lord. The wounds that come to hurt us. The words that come to hurt us. And Father, I pray this morning that you would give us grace today and in the coming days that you would begin to remove those things out of our life. Father, help us, Lord, if there's someone we need to go to to make it right. Father, let us go to them and make it right in the name of the Lord. Father, don't let us speak out of those places of hurt and anger. Lord, the places in our life that are unrest, that are unsettled on the inside of us, Lord, it's because those structures are rooted in the flesh. Lord, if those structures were rooted in the spirit, we'd be at peace and at rest just as you're at rest. Peace. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us as a body of believers, you would give us the grace to live unoffended. You would give us the grace to extend forgiveness, Lord, when we've been wronged. John Bevere teaches in his book, The Bait of Satan, there's two people that are offended. Those that have been done wrong and those that perceive they've been done wrong. Either way, know this, church, is the entrapment of the enemy. And what we must understand, man, leadership is going to fail us. I'm going to fail you. I, I, can't be, I can't be Jesus to you. I can't save you. I can do my best, but I will fail you from time to time. I have failed people. I had one that I got a call two weeks ago that was going for a job interview. Brought my name up. Didn't speak well of me. It's just hurt. All I can do is say I'm sorry for failing you. That's it. Well, I feel his love in this room, church. His standard doesn't change. His standard doesn't change. God, I'm asking you for your grace. I'm asking you for your grace. God, I'm asking you for your help. Unlodge some things in my life. Unlodge some hurt, Lord, this morning. Father, let me travel down into the bellies. But I want to come out from the bellies of the earth. I want to come out a transformed man. 
I want to be able to walk through the walls that I've built up and barricaded myself in and won't allow nobody else to get in. I'm tired of living behind the shadows. I want to be fully alive in your kingdom, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. When, when, when Peter was released from prison in Acts 12, it says he came through four four sets of guards to be released from that prison and as he walked out into the iron gate that leads to the city he makes his statement he says surely God has God has has um set me free from the expectation of the people when you free from the expectation of man friend you free when you free from what other people thinks about you 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 could we stay bound we won't dance in church we won't move what what will the people think man you got to get beyond that friend Oh, what's it matter? We, we, we're still trying to please the audience of one. Let's pray one more time. Father, I ask you today for your grace. For your grace. Cleve ever shared an amazing testimony last Sunday. About every year, he didn't know if he was going to have a job that resorted in one small thing that got built into this huge mountain where now that person began to spread things about him. Come on, y'all. Y'all know how we do it. We go to the posse. We don't go to the person. The Bible instructs you when you got something wrong with somebody, you don't go to your posse, but you go to the person. Matthew 18. I'm quoting the word to you. Then the Bible says, if you two can't work it out, then you go get you some elders. Then say you go get your friends. It says you go get you some elders. And then it says, if you can't work it out, you bring it before the church. And then the church will decide which one of y'all get out. Am I in the book? God, give me grace to go to the person. Give me grace. If you have someone that comes to you to talk to you about somebody else, the best thing you can do is grab them by the hand and say, hold on just a second. They're going to come to you and say, let me tell you how bad Steve done me. Just grab them by the hand and say, hold on just a second. Let's go right here to Steve and let's figure out what happened. Got to shut all that up. I'm talking about mature stuff, but we love the kindergarten level. Father, I'm asking you for your grace this morning. I'm asking you for maturity in my life. I repent, Lord, this morning before you and before these people of harboring unforgiveness in my life. Father, I've tried to share stories that have happened that have been real in my life that has cost me There were costly mistakes that I've made. Father, I thank you that you've always put leadership that was honest with me in my life. Father, my pastor did that for a reason because I was no more ready to hold a mic than a man in the moon. And and Father, I must trust the leadership that you put in my life. I want to be a submitted man. I want to have a pastor, not a preacher. mighty name of Jesus. I bless his people today. I pray an abundant grace rest upon this congregation. I pray an abundant grace. I pray, Father God, those things that have held us back, 
for some years, some months, some, some maybe even decades. Let us go through them, Lord. Let us deal with them. I love the scripture where the, he, where the Hebrew boys were thrown into the fire. And the Bible says that they came out of that fire and not even the smell of smoke was upon them. Man, let's live that way. Man, there's people that has gone through ugly divorces that were a decade ago that still had the smoke of that divorce on them. People that have gone through church splits a decade later still have the smoke of that on them. Let's live with that. Not even the smoke upon us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I bless you, friend. God bless you. We thank you for being here this morning. I bless your family. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Look forward to seeing you guys on the live stream on Wednesday night. My dear friend Mitch Griffin will be on there again with me this coming Wednesday. So, God bless you all. We'll see you. We hope you enjoyed our weekly message. Thank you for joining us. We want to connect with you. Please visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc where you can find our social media information and directions to download our smartphone app. This will keep you connected to all things Cornerstone. We pray that you have a wonderful week.